gentlemen, to a new episode of The Devil's Due. I am your host, Carl Duty. With me, as always, is the man who is credited for inventing the universal greeting, as many of you know, is Ba Weep Grana Weep Ninny Bomb, Mr. Drew Celestino. I, I don't know if that's accurate. I, I believe I have records going back ages that say that that is true. Every fact I mentioned about you before introducing you has been scientifically proven as true. All right. Well, I'm a man of science, so I will trust it. But my memory's a little foggy. <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you invented the spiritual greeting. The that's, universal greeting. That sounds like something I would do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been used well. I'm a social animal. Yeah. Yet I hate people. <laughs> Clark Sharp. Irony. Nice. No, isn't it? I'm, I hate people, yet I love gatherings. Yes, that's correct. Okay. It's play on words. <laughs> it's play on words. No less true, though. <laughs> How you doing tonight, sir? I'm okay. You're okay? Yeah, I'm okay. What's wrong? You see Nothing's like... wrong. No, no, nothing's wrong. Just another long week. Uh, eventful and uneventful. I don't know. I'm just, just kind of cruising, man. That's cool. That's cool. So, but um, that would bring me to my next question was, how was your week? Um... So it was uneventful. So well, last it, week you said it was uneventful, and then you went on, you know, true. Okay. You, you went on, You took us down a trip. Okay, so let me. Uh, I'm so conflicted here. How how was it? Okay, achy and sore for the most part. Did you have a show? No, I started lifting weights on Tuesday. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, that'll bring the pain. It brought the pain, but it's it's good. So I uh, my 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 friend, my good friend Nathan, who I believe you know. Um. He has a uh, built a gym in his basement, and uh, he's been powerlifting for a while. So I got the invite to go and get my swell on, and uh, <laughs> I, I so I so I started. And uh, oh dear, what did I get myself into? What uh, what do you bench, bro? Um, about I think I maxed out. Listeners are gonna laugh at me, but probably bent. I maxed out at about one thirty-five. Bruh, you got crushing. That's bar. almost my body weight. So, <laughs> of course, it would have been my body weight or more had I stuck to my diet and my yoga for the last few months. But I've been slacking because it's summertime, you know. You know, I, uh, I'm not not chastising or anything. I'm just saying if you're saying that you know you've been slacking, it's oh been yeah, a couple months. Yeah, it's been. That's bad. not so much slacking. I think you've transitioned to just flat out not no because there's still like the odd day or so when i get motivated to do things and i would do it and I'm like okay tomorrow i'm back on it nope tomorrow doesn't happen so this has been twice this week though that i hit the hit the proverbial weights cool so uh yeah man uh bench squat deadlift military press and assisted uh chin-ups pull-ups whatever you want to call them oh god all those things sound painful they are but in a satisfying way, in a, in a way. All righty. I'll tell you this. After the second time, I wasn't as sore as after the first time. There you go. That is progress. I hope that's progress. So this is what's happening. This is, what's, this is terrible. What, why am I doing this? <laughs> One step closer to, uh, well, here's my plan. Let me, let me lay out my oh, timeline for oh. you. For those that don't know, the way I see it, in my life, I have... Graduated college. I've made a career for myself. I've fronted a band. I've built guitars. You have? I've brewed beer. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty decent chef. 
I've written a comic book. You've written a comic book. Why? Why? Who's to say that I can't be a pro wrestler? <laughs> Said the 34-year-old man. We just got into weight training now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Drew? I'm not going to tell you you can't be a pro wrestler. Wrestler, Yeah. Um, I will support you in your dream, as a good friend does. I'm being slightly facetious, um, but slight, I, only slightly. I'm just saying, if, if you get signed, I'm going to be your manager. Uh, I don't think you got to worry about it. I'm, I'm going to be... I'm going to live vicariously through you and live my lifelong dream of being a Mexican luchador called El Aso Fantastico. Okay. I'm, all right. That's not my gimmick. That could be yours, though. Okay. That's, we're agreed. So that was, uh, that's, that was most of the week. And then last night, um, something else happened. What'd you do? Um, I watched four episodes of Stranger Things. In my, a row. <laughs> my wife and I started watching it last night. We started a little too late because both of us started dozing uh-huh. out in the, middle of the, in the middle of the first episode. Oh. But it's not to say it doesn't look good. You're going to want to hang on tight. Seems, seems, to look, seems to look good. If you like 80s uh, horror, nah, I don't know, horror. Horror is not even the right word. It's, okay. a, it's a spooky show. If you grew up in the 80s, if you are old enough to have remembered your childhood in the 80s, yeah. which I'm sure you do, I know mm-hmm. I do, yep. if you were born in the late 70s or the early 80s, you will have vivid memories, vivid memories of childhood in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Glorious times. Glorious times. That they were. Um, and if you grew up loving movies like Goonies or E.T. or The Last Starfighter or insert 80s movie here, okay? It has... For the little bit I've seen, it has a very almost like Twilight Zone feel. To and a little bit of that. Yeah. But but trust me with the '80s stuff. My God, man, it is out of control. '80s, uh, in the best, best, best possible way. The music is fantastic. It is. It's very the, synthy, very Tron like. Oh, the kids are the kids are, look like they were plucked out of out of. I don't know. Out of goon, they they could be Goonies for all I know. Yeah, they're like the misplaced Goonie. They even kind of have a chunk, although they don't call them that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's it's so fantastic. Four episodes in, just crushing it. Cool, crushing it, cool. liking it, hoping hoping it's uh, it sticks to landing. But yeah, as it, it's it's hit me right in those uh, nostalgia feels. Nice. So four episodes ago, no spoilers, dear listeners. No spoilers. But check it out. Definitely will. Okay. How about you? Hmm. I had That sums me up, so. Yeah. I had a I had a decent week. Uh no overtime this week, which was nice, so I got Oh my god. Yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> Finally. When you're working 10-hour days and then go back down to a, an 8-hour day, that 8-hour day feels like a 4-hour day. <laughs> Half day everybody. Here's <laughs> just like We're going I'm swimming. Done already sweet. Um so yeah, I was a little more active this week. Uh like, one night, the wife and I took the boy down to the river walk and just kind of walked. I'll teach the boy. The um, I purchased the uh, Batman, the new Batman Telltale game ah, yes. series. Mm-hmm. Fun. Yeah. Interesting, because it's not quite, quote-unquote, a game. No, Telltale games se. are, are narratives, like, Choose your own adventure. Yes, the Walking Dead ones are yeah. good, too. What's nice is they put a timer on... 
the choices you can make. Oh. Like, you, the, throughout the conversation, you'll come to a point where you get to make a choice in what you're going to say next in the conversation. And each button, you know, X, circle, triangle, square, has a response on it. And they put you on a relative, depending on the situation, it's a relatively quick timer that you have to choose your response. So, so they're not steering you in a direction, but they kind of are. Yes and no. Gotcha. So it's still kind of early into it. It's it's not bad because they do it in episodes, and I guess each episode has two is about two hours total. Okay, but five bucks an episode. That's not bad at all. It's not bad. And I'm enjoying it. I feel I've already got I've already have already gotten my money's worth out of it. Um, the action, quote unquote, in the game is more or less quick time events mm-hmm. that seem to play out the same regardless of whether you do the key input or not. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, that kind of harkens back to the old Sega CD games that had a lot of games like that. They were just kind of like, like, you know, they had the worst video game I've ever played, and I hesitate to call it a video game, was on Sega CD, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I do not remember this at all. Yeah, it basically it was episodes of the television show, and at a certain point, you had to hit a button or push a direction. So, sort of like the old Dragon Slayer games. Yep, yep, yep. But if you didn't hit the button or point the direction, the video continued on as normal. You just had a little life bar that drained. <laughs> and when your life bar got down to normal, they just showed an explosion on the screen. And you had to restart. Kids plopped down 50 hard-earned dollars for this game. I fortunately just rented it. Um, but yeah, See, so kids, that's a reference that you might not understand. We could rent games back in back in the day. We didn't have the interwebs and demos and stuff. You want a game? You went down to the store, <laughs> Blockbuster. Sometimes your corner store, if you're old enough to really remember Wegmans, Nintendo games, Wegmans rents and games. And we, you went down there, and you had nothing to go on. Nothing. Box art. That was it. <laughs> Box art. No, Good had, luck. You had GamePro and EGM back in Sure, day. but you know, even that was a crapshoot, man. Yeah. So, yeah, um, played that for a little bit, did some Street Fighter, got some some nice relaxation in this week. Uh, then later in the week learned, as I mentioned on Facebook, and as my introduction to you reference, one of my all-time favorite movies as a kid is now 30 years old, Transformers the movie. The only one. The only one I recognize, yes. The only one. <laughs> Screw it's amazing that they've never been able to make those into live action with the CGI we have today. It's, it's the damnedest thing. Yeah, the, 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 that movie shattered uh, childhoods oh, all over America. So traumatizing. Parents taking their, their weeping children out of the theater like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, I It was think, a freaking robot. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you and I represent fanhoods of two of the pinnacle uh, properties toy properties cartoon properties of the 80s you are a big gi joe fan yes sir big transforms fan now i say this now my optimus prime died so that your duke may live and i don't even like duke (laughs) i I wanted him to die that weird oh man that's crazy but you know what i'll I'll give i have to give hasbro some credit like that that took some balls that took balls well, because I have, I have like the, I think it's like 25th anniversary DVD of it. Yeah. Or 20th anniversary, and they're coming out 30th anniversary Blu-ray, and I'm probably going to buy that. Um, but there was, 
like a document, mini documentary into it, and some of the producers and everything, they were just like, we just wanted to introduce a new toy line. Yeah. We had no, they wanted to like, because this came out a couple of years after Transformers really hit big, so they're thinking this is a big toy commercial, and they will kill off all the toys that you've been watching in the show and collecting and yeah. love in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Roughly, yeah. And then introduce all the new toys you're going to want afterwards. What they didn't take into account is that children formed emotional bonds so, you know, with the- these characters. So, like, in the television show... It wasn't uncommon to see a character get shot, unlike G.R. Joe. <laughs> um, and then you'd see, hey, he got injured. You'd see him on, like, Ratchet or Wheeljack's repair Patching table. him up, sure. They'd be fine. Not in this. No. No. They brutally and graphically kill off the entire, like, first line of Autobots. Yep. In the first 20 minutes of the movie. Then they kill Megatron, too. Although he gets to come back. Yeah, he gets kind of reformed. Starscream? Starscream, just, oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's, you're just sitting here watching these characters you know and love just getting slaughtered. You know, again, it, it takes balls. And I in, in the era of, of epic butthurt that we live in right now, which I have a little spiel on in a moment. Okay. Um, wow. I almost want a movie company to do that to some beloved franchise today just to say just to see if they could get away with it just to see the reaction from the yeah. from from fandom today like i i'm not advocating marvel do this cuz it would be it might be a little too well, the hell with it. They Marvel shows up. Gauntlet. Tell you what, Infinity Infinity War. You know how it should start in the first twenty minutes. Cap, Iron Man, Thor, Banner, Black Widow all die <laughs> brutally, <laughs> just savagely dead. Do we have a little bit of story development? No, that? none. No, it's... here's here's your story development. Thanos attacks. Everybody dies. Okay. And you have ninety more minutes of the movie to go. Yeah, yeah. What's funny though. Um, there's another podcast I listened to that pointed out that it was the anniversary. It's a really cool podcast called Thirty Twenty Ten. I think I mentioned it to you. They look at what's happening in like news and podcasts. Ah, yes, yes. Thirty years ago, twenty years ago, ten years ago. They point out something I never really thought about with Transformers, but when you sit back and think about it, compared to the other quote unquote toy movies at the time, it had a radically high production value to it. Very much. The animation is gorgeous. For the most part. It, the voice acting is all star. They raised the bar in the voice acting department uh, dramatically. Like they got stars. They got like Judd Nelson is in that. I think and that was, he was peak like Judd, fresh off of <laughs> Breakfast Club. We had Prime Nelson, Prime Judd Nelson. I see what I did there because later on in the movie he becomes yep. Rodimus. Might see, might see what you did there. You just didn't want to acknowledge it, but no, um, Judd Nelson. He's, he's, he's the inferior Prime, but well, Robert Stack. Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. Orson Welles. To be fair, Orson Welles didn't know what he was doing. No, his famous quote about the movie is, I play a toy that eats other toys. (laughs) So, yeah. But, yeah, Transformers the movie, 30 years old. Fall, Optimus. Fall. One shall stand, one shall fall. You know what's funny is, and we'll leave Transformers on this, uh, my wife, I love her death. She enjoyed 
the live action Transformer movies oh, because she boy. has no. To be fair, she has no connection to what uh-huh. the source material is. Fair enough. So she's just watching it as a summer popcorn film, right? So we went and saw the second one, and when Optimus Prime, uh, well, what they call Optimus Prime, <laughs> he has lips. I know that much, right? Uh, same as Re- reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's Hasbro? What's with the lips? <laughs> so Optimus Prime like allows the Decepticons to slaughter thousands of innocent people in Chicago to prove a point to the government that they need the Autobots. I don't think Optimus would do that. No. <laughs> and then, and then he gets to kind of because you got to get like your most powerful player out of the scene for a little while okay. to let the the drama grow with yeah. the bad guys. He gets tangled up in some wires for like twenty minutes. I feel like he could get out of that. The night we got home from that movie, I put in Transformers the movie. Yeah, and I jumped right to the scene where Optimus lands in Autobot City. And I'm like, this is Optimus Prime. And he's just like, you know, Megatron must be stopped no matter the cost. He knows he's quite possibly going to die right now. Yep. He doesn't care. Nope. And he would sacrifice himself before letting a single innocent, be it human or Autobot. And I'm hearing the eye rolls out there in listener land. Don't care. He would sacrifice himself. So, yeah. I, I, hey, man. I... I, I were we like the first generation to really form this emotional bond over like toys and cartoons? I think you said the toy executives had no idea that this would be a thing. Like, they, yeah, like they were just going to clear the deck and the new toys would roll out and the kids would just roll over. But we we like flipped out. I think we were the first generation that it was permissible to maintain that relationship. Okay. Like I was talking to someone at work today, and they sh- they saw my T-shirt. I'm wearing a Transformers T-shirt. Yes. They saw my Devastator. T- yeah. They saw my T-shirt and comments about how their husband recently purchased an original Devastator toy, and you know she didn't quite get it. Like there was a little bit of condescension in her voice when she said toy. I'm like, listen, you have to look at the generations that came before. Our fathers fathers the great the world war ii generation mm-hmm. didn't have a choice they had to put away quote-unquote childhood things very quickly go off and you know defend the world from real evil right so when our fathers are being raised i think it was a lot of it was there was an expectation that once you reached a certain point you were expected to put aside those things mm-hmm. and just do you know air quotes adult things you know, get a job, get married, one out, so on and so forth. Our generation, I think, is the first generation where we were, we, I wouldn't necessarily go as far as say encouraged to hold on to those things, but it wasn't necessarily enforced on us to let go of those things. Okay. Yeah. So we're finding that our generation is kind of the first that, you know, it's okay to be 38 years old and have a podcast about a comic book character or still, you know, play and love video games and collect comic books and things like that. Yeah. Because these are, it's gone beyond, we're starting to see beyond the the outside packaging. You know, this isn't just like comic books. We can recognize this as literature. These are our modern folk tales. These are our modern legends. These are what we are caretakers of. Uh, you know, video games very much become an art form. Mm-hmm. 
and proper storytelling, and that's being recognized. Now we're seeing video games being played on a professional level, getting mainstream recognition as a... I can't really make an argument for being a sport. Dude, NASCAR is a sport somehow, so I think we can call video games a sport. It's okay. Yeah, so... You want to put the eSport label on it? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. So I think... Yeah, I just think that we were allowed to form an emotional bond to those, and it wasn't, like, forced on us to let it go. And then we begat the millennials who are ruining everything, so... Yeah. Yay! Yay us! They're not ruining everything. Dude. So speaking of ruining everything and being <laughs> butthurt, can, so, I, can, I, can I go ahead and just dive I, into this real quickly? I, I smell something rotten. All right, look. It's no secret what's I'm going on right now. I'm let you go. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to go full. If You know me. If I go full tilt, yeah. this, this podcast no longer is family friendly, so I'm going to be nice. <laughs> I'll be kind, and I, I will refrain from using my requisite language, and I will, nice I, will, I will use the podcast language. Until it is time to not be nice. <laughs> Roadhouse. Okay, so Suicide Squad's coming out, right? It is out. It's out as of this as of t- today, as of the recording of the, this podcast today. It is out. But Alan Waiter said he liked but it. But this is two days, three, four, two or three days in the making now. Yeah, yeah. Prior to the re- release of the film, critics have screened it. It has a really, really, really bad critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like in the thirties or something. Yeah. Okay. So critics don't like the movie. People professionally paid to watch movies and critique them on their artistic merit and their entertainment value are, re- are, are saying this movie's no good. Fans who have not seen the movie yet are now on the interwebs lambasting Rotten Tomatoes and saying that they are on the take from Disney and that there is a conspiracy and that they are being paid off to, quote, rate DC movies poorly. This is, this is now taking hold in, in the last five days. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to lay out some facts for you. I want you to roll with this here. I'm just, I'm just sitting back chilling, sir. Okay. You, you do you. Listen, listen, fandom. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't rate movies. Rotten Tomatoes takes an aggregate score of professional critics and fan reviews, and it then takes those reviews, and it combines their combined review into a score, an aggregate score. So it's an average of other people's scores. They do not score the film. They report on the scores of the film. And not only that, I believe they show you both what the critic score is and the fan score. Correct. Before they combine it. Correct. Yeah. Now, the Disney Connection. It's a conspiracy that Rotten Tomatoes is only posting negative reviews and that they're on the take because they're pro-Marvel. going to do my best X-Files theme impersonation. There you go. Kids, until February of 2016, Rotten Tomatoes was wholesale owned by Warner Brothers. As of this right now, they are 30% owned by Warner Brothers, the other 70% owned by Fandango, who sells tickets to movies. In what world would a company with a sizable stake being held by warner brothers want to tank reviews of warner brothers films take off the hat that's made of tinfoil and come out of the basement and join us in the sun unlike kalel who is lying in rubble of metropolis that he himself caused there is no conspiracy they killed him at the end of that. Whatever. I don't care. 
<laughs> and yet he's going to be in Justice League, nullifying any and all dramatic point that that had. He got better. And we all knew it. Anyway, look, the simplest explanation for most things is generally the correct one. There is no conspiracy against DC's films. They're just not very good. Now, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy a bad film, and I'm not saying you can't go on to Rotten Tomatoes and boost up that fan score and prop up your beloved franchise that you have not seen, odds are, at this point in the theater yet, which, again, makes it all the more insane that they believe that they're just being negative because they're for the sake of it. Maybe they've seen the movie and you didn't, and maybe they know something you don't. So how about before we go putting up the wall and getting all conspiratorial and butthurt about it, why don't we just see where the chips fall, and then we can all talk about it afterwards. I, I believe your rant is valid. I'm going to devil's advocate two, two points. Uh, one, critics generally don't score comic book films. And yet Marvels all have fresh ratings. Exceedingly high. Okay, go on. Because I think, I think critics, critics do tend to become a little jaded. I don't dispute that, but... All right. No, no, I'm just saying. Um, you know, and all I say, I forgot what my second point was. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see it. Alan said it was good. Alan, you know, told me what he thought of X-Men Apocalypse, and then I saw that, and then his review was spot on. So I'm, I'm trusting Mr. Waiters. You do your thing. You do you. But, and, and all you out there listening, you go do you. Go do you. But just keep in mind, all- a lot of us exiting the theater in 1999 convinced ourselves that episode one was a good movie, too. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. History's that. not backed that up. Yeah. So when you come out of the theater going like, yeah, screw the critics, that was great, you're probably just basking in the afterglow of seeing characters that you love on the big screen. You haven't really processed the film you just saw. Yeah. You aren't really thinking yeah. critically about it. I'm so give it some time and let's take down the let's let's take down the petitions to to, to boycott Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> let's all take a nice collective deep breath and hope that the movies are actually good and let's just let's just move on with our lives, please. Because this is just getting out of hand now. I, I've been one to over the past couple of years, and this kind of drives my wife nuts because she usually wants to know what I think about a movie like right after we've seen it. I'm one to let it digest. Far form an opinion. I, I, I'm with you here. I can give you like an initial gut reaction. Sure. Um, and sometimes, you know, a movie is either so good or so bad, you don't need to let it digest. It's yes. just kind of right there. But I do try to let it digest before I go good, bad, what have you. Speaking of seeing characters you love, mm-hmm. rumor has it, after all this hype of a new Joker, yes. seven minutes of screen time. Yeah, go figure. See, here... Uh. I want to just, I just, I have so many things. Yeah. Well, um, you know what they did? What'd they do? Here's what they did. Here's what they've been doing. All the crap you've heard about this movie, about Jared Leto being a lunatic and, and, and David Ayer, the director, like treating the, the cast poorly and everyone telling these stories about how brutal and wacky it was on the set. You know what that is? It's called marketing. <laughs> I'm sure some of it was true. It's, True or not, you don't, you don't normally... I'm, you know, I'm willing to bet some of that stuff is true on any movie set at any given time, but you don't hear about it. The way they've decided to publicize this movie, it is pure marketing. They are getting... like It's like all these crazy stories you hear about it is just 
driving the hype train, and it makes people go like, "I have to see this movie." Did you hear what? Did you hear what Jared Leto did to get into character? Oh, he's gonna be out of control. Then people come back from the movie based on reviews I've read, and it's like, "Yeah, he was there." I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why he had to send dead rats to the castmates and stuff. What I've heard of the from all the reviews I've seen, they all generally seem to say the same thing: characters are great, movie itself is not. Fancy so. that. Well, like we said last week, it's not that we hate DC. It's just we want the we want these movies to be good, and they're just so far to date haven't been. But everything if, I just said, just so you know, I just just in case I maybe I misspoke, but everything I just said, it wasn't even an indictment of the movie itself. No, no. no. I'm indicting fans. You should all be ashamed of yourselves. And I should know because I am one. I know we're terrible. We're terrible, terrible people. We just get we gotta we gotta come back off the ledge. <laughs> and just and just breathe, and and enjoy your enjoy your stuff, and let's let the venom belong to Eddie Brock, and and <laughs> leave it at that. That's it. Yeah. There you go. That's my my spiel. Cal- calm down, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this moment of Drew rage brought to you by the Devil's <laughs> Due social media outlet. There you go. Tell them where to find the show, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. If you want to check out some of our previous episodes, you can do so at iTunes. You can download them off iTunes. We are going to have an official website up and running soon uh, where you can stream the shows. There's a link in our Facebook posts that you can click on. That link's going to kind of be renamed at some point, like an official Devil's Due link. So that's coming down the road. We're excited about that. If you want to reach out to us and socialize with us and, you know, tell us we're wrong, tell us we're idiots, agree with us, ask us questions, we will happily answer them. We've got questions coming up. Oh, boy. If you want to do so, on Twitter, you can follow us at the de- at, at Devil's Due Pod, Facebook.com slash Devil's Due Pod, or just search The Devil's Due. Or you can email us at the Devil's Due Pod at gmail.com. Speaking of which, for a second week in a row, Drew. Yeah. We have some listener questions. My God. These may or may not be from. Uh, J.J. Elsimino again, who sent us our questions last week. They, mm-hmm. are, from they are from him. Um, or as he's known in some uh, Middle Eastern countries, Guy Incognito. Yes. He might have a mustache in, in that instance, but it's unclear. So would you like to be asked first, or would you like to do the asking? Let's first? flip. I'm going to ask first. Okay. All right. There you go. Look at that. Cause, and, and to be honest, that's the way he wrote the email. So, Carl. Yes. Boxers, briefs, or redwoods swaying in the wind? Oh. Well. I'm just going to straight up answer. Boxers. There you go. Boxers. Okay. have the freedom. Yeah, we're not talking about post-it notes here. This is a little more casual. Yeah, yeah. Yoda versus Gandalf. Who wins, and what is the look on Drew's face while you answer this? (laughs) You got that snickering look on your face, like... Go on. Um, in all honesty, I, I'm going to get exceedingly geeky here. I don't think they'd fight. I okay. think they would simply have a conversation. I think they would recognize that each one is inherently good, and they are old and wise men or small Muppet-like things yes. in their own rights, and they would simply sit down and, and discuss discuss things. Yoda would probably teach Gandalf about the Force. Gandalf would probably teach Yoda about you know magic. All right. They probably discovered that two or one. And my face. Can you please describe it? Um, it's it's handsome. Thank, it's, oh, it thank has, you. 
you know, it has a very definitive features on it, not completely unlike uh, the Loki face of Tom Hiddleston. I've, I've gotten that before. I'm waiting for that cosplay, sir. Oh, boy. So, All right. There, yeah. those, those are your questions. Okay. Your questions, sir. Yes. If Heather Locklear was president, would she be Abraham Lincoln? Um, yes. Okay. Good answer. Would you like to learn Japanese with me so we can figure out the New Japan wrestlers' promos? Absolutely. I don't know why we don't do it already. We should We should already be doing this. Awesome. All right. We're, we're, we're too tranquilo for our own good. Jay I, will understand what that means. I don't believe that was Japanese. Uh, it, it is by, by association. Los Singer Nobles. I don't believe that was Japanese either. Mas tranquilo. I, I'm doing the the I Naito thing right now. I think Carl's like, what the hell is going on? I have Thundera. No. I have Sauron. I have Naito. Uh, okay. Trust me. I Doll from Killer Instinct. Good pull. Good pull. Deep cut. Deep cut. All right. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna keep what it a, light this week. Hang on, did we you gave him all the info, all the social infos out there. Yeah, yeah, I gave him the social. All right, infos. all right. We're cruising by at a brisk pace today. They know, they know how to reach us. Um, no yeah. Comic Con news to get over. Yeah, Comic Con's over and done. Although um, there is a Comic Con coming up if you're in the Buffalo, New York area mm-hmm. this week, uh, Nickel City Con at the Buffalo Convention Center. I believe they have NickelCityCon.com as a website. You can reach out to them for ticket information. Our good friend Virginia, big part of that show. What's up, Virg? Good luck to her. Good luck to that show. Uh, so, yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to keep it light this week. Uh, we got, Actually, no, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, forgot. oh. You're we scaring have, me. A couple weeks ago, we introduced a segment called Kitchen Brew. Oh, boy. Which, You're derailing me. As, as Drew, as being the Renaissance man he is, is a brewer of beers. But Drew, as he mentioned earlier, is also a... Uh, daredevil in the kitchen Ooh. if you would say so this week we're going to introduce a new segment called kitchen stew all right okay drew so drew go ahead what, what do you got for us in the kitchen today well this is this is a, a kind of a i was i was unprepared i'm gonna pull from uh <clears throat> my my vast memory and you and said you wanted knowledge i know <laughs> so i'll give you the option uh are you feeling Americano or are you feeling Asian? I'm going to go with Asian. Asian. Okay. Yes. The Americano would have been shorter, but Asian it is. Uh, so for dinner tonight, I have prepared a uh, stir fry. Now, stir fries are dead simple, but I'm not sure if, um, you know, maybe maybe you don't know how to do a stir fry. Maybe you're, you're new at this. So let me tell you how to make a bomb stir fry. I have a wok. That's good. I have a wok as well. It's kind of chumpy, so I just use my cast iron skillet. Works just the same, but a wok is better. All right, folks. Here's what you're going to want to do. Because stir fry is amazing. Asian food is amazing. Thai food is amazing. Here's the deal. Get yourself a piece of fresh ginger about the size of your thumb, maybe a little smaller. Peel that off with a spoon. Peel all that excess skin off. Dice that bitch up real fine. Two, three cloves of garlic. Mince them, just like the just like the ginger. Set them aside. Now, I want you to take a cup, a measuring cup, the best way to do it. Pour into the measuring cup, meh, half a cup, three-quarter cup soy sauce. Your, your call. Two, three tablespoons of rice wine vinegar. Once again, your call. 
If you want to thicken it up a little bit, throw a little bit of cornstarch in there. Tablespoon, not too much more. You don't want to get too sugary. Then, buyer's choice. You have fish sauce and you have oyster sauce. These things sound disgusting, I know. And fish sauce, my God, fish sauce smells horrible on its before you cook it. But I promise you, these two sauces will change your life, and they are the secret ingredient of any good stir-fry. So, fish sauce or oyster sauce, two to three tablespoons into your little measuring cup. Stir that up. I want you to dice up a protein. If you're a vegetarian, you can omit this step entirely, but I do advise a little protein in your diet. I usually do chicken because chicken's low in fat and it's super healthy. Chop your chicken up into decent-sized chunks. Throw it in a big bowl. Define decent-sized chunks. Eh, yay big. Okay, um, we're doing an it's, audio podcast. It's an podcast. audio podcast. Yay big doesn't quite bite help sized. the listener. Bite-sized, okay. maybe two bite-sized. Okay? Fresh chicken breast, skinless, boneless, skinless. Be he- let's be healthy here. Put it in a big bowl, pour that sauce right on top of it, and let it sit. Put it put it aside. Now, veggies. There's no rules here. Whatever veggies you like, they can go in a stir-fry, basically. I usually do broccoli, an onion. Try to use a, or a, a cooking onion, so like a Spanish onion or a white onion. Uh, red onion in a pinch, but generally speaking, stick to the, stick to the others. Chop these up into eh, pieces about the size, again, about the length of your thumb at the most, because you're going to want to, these are, these are all going to be edible, one bite, basically. Broccoli, onion, uh, some carrots, you want to dice up some carrots, that's good too. Um, peppers, peppers are essential. Now, you don't got to go spicy, just get some bell peppers, if you like the green ones, green ones are good. I like the red ones myself, because they're nice and sweet. You're going to want to cut those into lengths, about the, about the length of a finger as well, and nice and thin. Once you get all your veggies chopped up, get your pan nice and hot, or your wok. Peanut oil is the key here. Throw in your garlic and your ginger, just half of it. Not all of it, half of it. Simmer it up just a little bit, Now throw all those veggies right in there. Toss them around, two to five minutes at the most. We're just getting them nice and, and just, we're just warming them up a little bit. Tender. Tender, just tenderizing the veggies a little bit. They're not fully cooking them here. Once they're nice and tender... Take them out of your wok or your pan. Put them aside in, another, in a separate bowl. Okay, time for your protein. Get your chicken out of that bowl. Don't pour the bowl into the skillet. Take a spatula, a spoon, something slotted where the, where the juice can come, where the sauce will drip out of it. And we're going to throw that chicken right in the pan with a little bit of oil, sesame oil this time. Just a little bit because sesame oil is going to—it's very powerful. But you want that sesame oil flavor. Can you tell me how to get to sesame? Oil? You go down the Asian aisle at Wegmans. Thank you. Yes. All right. Then, you're just going to brown these up real nice. Fully cook them if you want to, if you like your chicken a little bit drier, but generally you're just trying to get them nice and brown, evenly cooked. Once they're all roughly the same, I want you to take all those veggies, put them right back in the pan, take all that juice from that chicken, pour it right back in, all of it. And now toss it around that skillet or the wok, Toss it, toss it, toss it. Phrasing. Once it's all nice and hot, you, sir, have a nice stir-fry. Serve into a bowl over rice if you like. Optional. If you're on a low-carb diet, rice, maybe not. Sprinkle of sesame seeds if you got them on top. Maybe some chives if you want on top. Good to go. That is a nice stir-fry. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this edition of The Kitchen Stew has been brought to you by the letter D. And also, the letter D. Oh, it's good. Double D. No, that's cool. I see what you did there. Yeah, see? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. We're going to be doing those segments. Uh, obviously, not every show, but we're going to at least get one kitchen stew in and one kitchen brew in a month. And if you uh, make a kitchen stew, based on my recommendation here, please let us know. Photograph Tell it, me how it turned it on out. on the Facebook page. Tweet it to us. We'd love to see it and see how you did with it. There you go. Awesome. Well, shall we ruffle the papers? Notes are coming out. Notes are coming out. Time to break down another episode of Daredevil. We are on episode six. This episode is named Condemned. Now, this episode, I remember watching it the first time, and... Because of its uh, isolated location, largely taking place in one building, I think I remember originally thinking it was a little boring. Watching it back this time, it's very much an action-packed episode, and um, I don't think you get so much character development here as you get reinforcement of characters that have kind of established themselves. I have a thought at some point when we get later on in the episode Mm -hmm. about the sort of setup and location of the the later part of the episode you may or may not like okay um i don't think you'll necessarily dislike it you might eye roll a bit but we'll see what happens when we get there let us get there so as we left off matt in the last episode uh wilson done exploded the russians mm-hmm. all except vladimir who managed to escape matt tracked him down was kind of unleashing the devil on him as he likes to say. And then the cops show up. And then the episode... It's the fuzz! It's the fuzz! Cheese it! Uh, <laughs> so this episode opens up right where that leaves off. And apparently someone kind of didn't hit the sound recording right in this episode when it starts off. Do you notice that? They got that, like, slow motion fade-in of the well, sound. Well, it's, you know... It's an artistic choice. It's artistic. Not necessarily one that I was just like, all right, what's the point of this? What I did, like... Put your hands on. Well, you know, it's easing us, it's easing us into the, the episode. That's okay. all. You, you can't just thrust it in, Carl. You gotta, you gotta go slow. Sir. The episode, I mean. Okay. Uh-huh. You, you had to go there. <laughs> I feel you set me up for that. Okay, so we open up with the episode, uh, the cops are in the process of apprehending Matt and Vladimir. Now, can I make an observation about the cops? Yes, sir. And just the language on this show in general? Okay. This will come back later. Um, The cops say, put your freaking hands up. And I rolled a little, I laughed a little bit because they can't say the F word on this show, but everything else is basically okay. They can't say, my, really? Let's just say if they. This is a Netflix show. They don't have like. Never. I'm putting up my. I'm, I'm doing the. I'm doing the. I don't know if pose right now because. Mm-hmm. Let's put it this way: if they could do it, I'm, they. I think we would notice it more when they do. And I. It, I think they can do it, but they just do it sparingly. Because if you're about to tell me when we get to season two, we go through a whole season with the Punisher and not a single f bomb is dropped, I'm going to find that hard to believe. Okay, but I'm just so saying for now. We, I feel like. I feel like for now, Marvel was. They were still un. They were sure of the direction they wanted to go, but they were still a little unsure. <laughs> Okay. I get, no, I get what you're saying. So, uh, I got a note here. Matt don't need hands. No, he'll kick your ass without him. Yeah, the uh, the cops handcuff Matt, and then 
kind of reveal that they are surprise prize uh fisk's cops yes as we will see later in this episode pretty much every cop is fisk's cop pretty much but not all not all yeah um so they say that their instructions are to kill vladimir mm-hmm. and upon hearing this matt proceeds to fight them and beat them and do flippy kicky stuff because his hands are handcuffed um, again, another excellently choreographed fight scene, as we've come to expect from this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt dispatches the cops, and in the process, Vladimir is shot. Not instantly, fatally, though. No, no. Um, but he leaking. He's, he's, he's sprung a leak, pretty severe leak. Uh, Matt picks him up, and they move on to try and find a safe location. Yes. Now, next scene. Great scene. Ben. Great scene with Eurek here. Ben putting together how it all is. Where are the chips falling? Who he's who are looking, the players? He's look. I really enjoy the scene just because it's not done with any words. Nope. He's putting playing cards up on a cork board, and on the playing card is written, like, the Russians. Right, right. And, you know. The Chinese. The Chinese. Uh, but it's just you get a little more insight into how Ben Yurik works. Mm-hmm. And just his intensity in this scene, without saying any words, I really—it's such a short scene. You can almost go as far as maybe called a throwaway scene, but I really enjoyed it. And like my, well, I think it note, shows he's, he's old school and he's dedicated, and he's he's putting the pieces together. Yeah, he's looking at the big picture, and then right as he's doing this, the news of the bombing hits the newsroom. One more observation, though, on on that corkboard. The use of playing cards. Yes. Am, am I the only one who thought that it might be a Gambit? subtle... No. God, no. Stop that. <laughs> uh, a subtle uh, nod to Bullseye. While I'm not saying the characters are intertwined, I'm just saying playing cards have a certain connotation in the Daredevil mythology. At least I, I think they do. I think at this point, it's kind of a reach. Okay. I thought that might be a clever wink. That's yeah. all. Because I, be I don't know if we're ever going to see Bullseye in the show. I would be very surprised if we don't see him in season three. I hope we do. I'd but, be but. very surprised. Okay. Um, Bullseye, for those of you who don't know, is kind of like if you were to rank Daredevil's rogues gallery, obviously you put Fisk as number one. Bullseye would be like 1A. Yes, I was going to say. Well, like, he's not number two. He's, he's like 1A. Number two. He's just like, he's right there. And the two of them often work together, Fisk and Bullseye. Yeah. So hopefully when they introduce Bullseye, he will not have a target. At least not initially. Tattooed on it. Not even tattooed, like imposed on his forehead. Unless like Matt puts the it there. Yeah. All right. That, that would be acceptable. Because that does happen later. Spoilers. Yeah. So, okay, so news of the bombing hits the, the newsroom. The, we see the editor character again kind of handing out assignments to everyone. Yeah, not Paul Giamatti. Not, not Paul Giamatti, not <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson, unfortunately. Uh, trying to find out if this is a like, natural gas explosion, Ben asks for the addresses of the bombings. Editor gives him the addresses, and Ben instantly knows... They're all, all Russian-controlled Russian. buildings. Yep. Yeah. Now, in the car, uh, Fisk is driving with Wesley and lamenting that he's going to have to report back to the crime families that the man in black is still out there and that they No, failed. no, not the man in black. Uh, Vladimir. Vladimir. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he's particularly concerned about Madame Gao. Yes, that's what I had written down here. So he he takes her trust very, very seriously. Yes, it almost seems as though like Gao is second in line behind him in the hierarchy of the families, which is kind of surprising because you would think Nobu and the connections that we'll eventually see that he has, mm-hmm. they would be right up there too. Well, maybe we just haven't seen all of Madame Gao's connections yet. Iron Fist. Oh, say spoilers there over there. Calm down. <laughs> Making all these connections. But yeah, uh, Iron Fist. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out. Um, so the cops are basically killing everybody. Yeah, and in the car, uh, Wesley communicates to Wilson that Vladimir is now in the possession of the man in the mask. Correct. Referred to Matt. And I think we start to see for the first time here, Wilson really realizes that a Matt is going to be a legitimate threat. Yep. And starts to formulate ways to handle this threat, as we will see later in the episode. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, uh, the cops are moving into one of the buildings that was, I think it was the, the main building where Vladimir originally was, and they are just... If you survive the blast, you're not going to survive the cops. No, because they're all in the take from Fisk, and they are killing all of the Russians. Yeah, they torture one to get the information <laughs> to where Vladimir is, and then they just kill him. Mm-hmm. And again, these are the, two, the same two crooked cops we have seen before. Their character names escape me. Uh, the guy who broke Matt's arm. Well, there's there's not Danny Glover and his partner, not, not Frank Grillo. Yes, we'll go with that. He kind of looks like Frank Grillo, who plays Crossbones in Captain America. That's true. Now, I have a note here that says, uh, no good cops, and then question mark. Mm-hmm. Do we, like... Well... I the, get that Fisk is powerful. I get that Fisk has uh, reach. Mm-hmm. But for the most part of the series, it seems that they kind of localize his reach to Hell's Kitchen. Right. Now, for something like that, you would think something on the scale of that, where you have multiple bombings, cops from all over the place are going to be called in. Likely, but they did say that all the buildings were isolated to Hell's Kitchen. So, let's play along and yeah, say that all the all the Hell's Kitchen cops are moving in. And, and mind you, I don't know if that big clean sweep is happening in all the buildings. I just know it's happening in the one that we saw. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Whatever. It's a show. Yeah, no, I mean, our, our purpose here is to break down and analyze. I feel you. So I'm just, like, kind of looking looking at the corners here and there. I mean, maybe they're just targeting the high-level guys, so they have enough killer cops on the scene to, to, to handle that. And maybe there are yeah. some survivors that escape, but they're not really worried about them. Yeah. Devil's advocate. That's my job. Hey. So we find Matt uh, carrying Vladimir. They go into an abandoned warehouse, almost. Yeah, a very dilapidated building, yeah, which is which is not the same as a dilapidated boat. Okay. Some people will get that. I won't. No, you won't. All right. <laughs> so. Wonderful. <laughs> so uh, Matt is um, kind of pseudo-interrogating Vladimir. Vladimir is still under the impression that Matt killed his brother. Right. Now, observation. Matt's trying to, like, you know, get the information about Fisk out of him. Like, I didn't kill your brother. Tell me what you know. Tell me. Like, you're you're bleeding out here. Tell me what I want to know. And this is where I made the the connection again. So, cops can't say the F word, but Vladimir can tell Matt to uh, um, suck his, you know, 
His manhood? His DD? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, so they let that one go. I was like, wow. All right. And that's, but the, the, again. No, I get it. You're raising, you're raising a valid point. We're getting kind of. This is very American of me, though. I'm being shocked at, at language in a television show where people are being shot and grotesquely in the head as their brains explode and a guy's face gets crushed in a car door and et cetera. That's okay. But, listen. but, but language makes me go. <gasps> listen. I feel like South Park might have covered this. 17 years ago at a movie. <laughs> if we don't discuss these things, Drew, who will? So, well, I just said, South Park did 17 years ago. <laughs> Simpsons did it. Simpsons too, Probably. Okay, so, like you mentioned, Matt wants Vlad to give up uh, Fisk. And Vlad is still kind of holding, even though he doesn't like Fisk and knows that Fisk did, like, the bombing and everything. Right. Still won't give up Fisk. No. Because he doesn't trust Matt. Yet. Yeah. Phrasing. Well, I think, I think not phrasing. Ever, spoilers. Whatever. I don't think he ever trusts him. No, but he yeah. realizes that at a certain point that they're fighting yeah. the same battle. Kind of. Exactly. Against Fisk anyway. Now, Matt needs to uh, prevent this guy from dying on him. No, we got, we got, a, we got a couple... Uh, we got a little Karen and Foggy. Well, no, they're in the hospital. At, yeah, Karen and Foggy at the hospital. They're bringing Miss Cardenas in. And we find out that Foggy has been injured as He's well. He's hurt, too. Yeah. He'll, Foggy. he'll be okay. He'll be okay. He's, he's, a, he's a principal cast member. He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> They'll fix him. They fixed everything. See? There you go. Now you're getting it. <laughs> um, and then Matt calls Claire. Yeah. And Claire is in the hospital in Hell's Kitchen. They're in the middle of it. They got wounded and everything coming in left and right. Now, considering he's using the booty call phone, this is not a good time for anybody. Exactly. And we also noticed that Claire is... At the hospital unexpectedly because her boss comes in and be like, I thought you got hit by a car, referring to the injuries she sustained in the previous episode. From the beatings from the, from the Russians. And that's when Matt has to tell her, I have to save this guy. Can you walk me through closing up a wound? By the way, it's the guy who ordered the beating of you. Why would you tell her that? Matt that's, is, what, that's a question I have here in my nose. I don't get why you would tell her that. Matt is... Honest to a fault with the ladies. Yeah, but like, you know, you being mad, know what this guy has and what you need to get out of him. You know that Claire is not going to be too keen on keeping his pulse going. I hear you. I, I'm not disagreeing. I, I still, I just, it, on this watcher, the episode, again, this is my third time through the season. I just, I was very surprised by, I was like, why, why would you tell her? Because instantly she, like does not want to help but right 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 she's very conflicted because she is but then the the nurse in her I right think. and i think matt he trusted that that would that would win out now i should also point out that i also think number one matt's been he's had a hell of a night so far so maybe he's just not thinking totally clearly quite possibly and he's new with this he's still yeah. figuring all this stuff out and he's still being a little too open well i shouldn't say that but yeah i think he's he's just with the ladies man he 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 just makes poor decisions. He makes very poor decisions often. So Claire asks, Claire agrees to help, and then she asks him what is around him that he can help. And Matt just kind of stops, and we get like a little head head nod, head tilt, and he's using his abilities to sense what's around him. I have a question. I was going to say, he, he can't exactly look around. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question here. Yes. He goes into great detail about what's around him. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand how Matt's powers work, but it seems... 
Like things he's mentioning, like a half a box of nails. Mm-hmm. Is are his powers again? Because you have more experience in the comics with the character than I do. Are his powers in the comics this accurate? Yeah. All right. Okay. He can. There's like a ping going out across the room. Yeah, it's, it's a radar sense. So he can hear and feel the vibration between all the individual nails and the box that they're in. Okay. All right. It just seemed, for what they've established in the show, if you have, or if you were coming into the show, not having the experience with the character in the comics, not having like any experience with the character of Daredevil. Okay. And they haven't gone, like they've explained his powers, but they haven't gone in like super deep detail of it. It just seemed like it was a little, a little far. Well, I mean, they can only describe so much. And I think no, they've done I a good it. job so far of like showing him being able to taste like, like the copper from blood in the air and feeling, yeah. feeling fractures in her bones to his his hearing when they they show how he how well he can hear and even like the to a degree how all that kind of translates into the, the the image of claire when he when he we get the one glimpse of his vision in this yeah. show but i don't it's it's hard to really relay all of that in the in the in the sensation like the touch the sensitivity yeah. he must have it's hard to show that in a TV show, I guess. I, I think this, and this going back to one of my points from the last episode of our show and, you know, Daredevil, mm-hmm. um, I think this might have been one of the times where they, we would have benefited from a visualization mm, okay. of the powers. But that's just me. That's just me. So he finds that there is an old first aid kit in the room that has two flares in it. And my note for this I would say is, it wasn't a first aid kit. It was probably a roadside kit. Oh, yeah, roadside yes, kit. Yes, because she asked, is there a right. first aid kit? He's like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So my note for this is flare equals ouch. Yes. Equals sizzler. Uh, yeah. And then also uh, Claire Flare rhymes. There you go. In case you didn't know. So, yeah, the, Claire's very eager to point out that this is not the movies. Television show. Yeah, um, no, that's right. uh, it's not the movies. You can't <laughs> cut him open and dig out the bullets. You will kill him. You have to cauterize the wound. Yes. So yeah, he. Uh, ooh. Yeah, he. he they he, show it too. Uh, he, he. Yeah, he, he cooks. He cooks him. He, he likes his Russian well done. Oh. So he ignites the flare and just basically sticks it right on the gunshot wound. And the Russian who's passed out from the pain. Yes. Then wakes up screaming, screams a little bit, and then passes out from the pain again. It's a bad day to be Vladimir, apparently. It is. Now, um, officer, as I have him here, officer Dainty Dolph Lundgren shows up. <laughs> he looks like he looks like a, okay. a, a young, skinny okay. Dolph Lundgren. I think his, his character name is Sullivan. Yes. Uh, he's in the building, and, you know, and he, hears, he overhears the stream and yeah. you know, investigates. Um, well, his heart's in the right place, but uh, he doesn't stand a chance against Matt Murdock. Yes, this is appears to be one of the few... Good cops. Yeah. In Kitchen. He's a rookie. He's only been on a job a couple months. Matt takes him down and asks him, who do you work for? And he says, the city of New York. And Matt's tr- obviously trying to get him to say, I work for Wilson Fisk. Yeah. He hears his heartbeat to tell if he's lying or not. And he reiterates, I work for the city of New York. I've been in the force for two months. Yada, yada. So yeah. he's he's one of the few good cops in the episode, in, in the city, apparently. But, you know, that doesn't matter because he's still there to uh, be a hero. Matt takes him down. And he tells him, you'll get out of this if you just call, call your call call your, your superior, tell him nothing, you, nothing here, nothing to report. 
What does he do? Send all units, officer, down, yeah. yada, yeah, you. Well, yeah. I know he's just doing his he job. He doesn't know Matt the way we know Matt. I know. I'd trust him, even after he beat me up. <laughs> but what do I know? All right, so. There was, that reminds me really quickly. Um, uh, Spider-Man has had many, many different comic titles. Uh, one of his more short-lived lived ones had, and this is just such a, a rabbit trail, but it's still a funny story. Uh, one of his more short-lived ones had this great issue that shows uh, the heroes would occasionally get together for a poker game. Hmm. And they're in just like a hotel room. And <laughs> so they're getting together for his poker game, right? And they're, you know, they're do-gooder heroes. So the buy-in's like five, ten dollars and whatnot. And then they donate the winnings to some sort of charity or something. They're, so they're hanging around. I, be, I believe it's Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, who knows absolutely nothing about poker, is terrible at it. I mean, I, like, literally, I need to let you borrow this issue. It's fantastic, like, non-comic book issue. Uh, fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic. You know, Human Torch, Visible Woman, um, Angel from X Men, and Black Hat. Quite the quite the role gallery. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. The, the Spider Man makes a point of mentioning you know Black Hat was admitted as a special courtesy to himself. Mm. Um, so they're get, they're sitting around the table playing their poker game. There's a knock on the door. They go over an open door, and who it is? But Wilson Fisk. Oh dear, the Kingpin. He goes in. He's like, I find out where his game was. And he says to them, I will give you each $50,000. We will play a real game of poker. And when I beat you all, I will use the money to buy a boat, which I will name Hero's Folly, and then use it to sit on and smoke a cigar, which I shall obtain illegally. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's it's a great issue, but they're, as they settle in, they start telling stories around the table and one story that i think spider-man tells is about a group of people who are in new york city who fake crimes because their fetish is to get beat up by heroes oh yeah okay it's it's really hilarious was that written by mark millar because that sounds like a very mark millar kind of no, issue oh, no. okay <laughs> but yeah i think next week i'll bring the issue with me so you can borrow it cool. find somewhere it's just a great issue but connects because you know wilson yeah, fisk wilson fisk now, um, meanwhile, outside the building, Officer Frank Grillo is in charge of the whole scene. And, uh, Officer not Frank Grillo. Officer not Frank Grillo. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, because he's, he's crossbones, and um, his, his, he, he seems to be dead now. But yeah. maybe not. He's exploded. We'll see. Yeah, no, he's exploded. But, but, but. Exploded. Okay. I want to believe. All right. So, as he's, you know, running the show outside, Ben shows up. Yeah. Ben's on the scene. He's investigating. He's the first reporter there. And we see that Ben has history with these cops. Yes, he does. And um, they vaguely threaten him. I don't think it's much vague. Yeah, veiled, veiled threats. Yeah, a, but a sort of, at the same of, time, you get the feeling that's something Ben hasn't heard before. Yeah, yeah. In any case, um, his reputation precedes him, in other words. They know he's there, and they know that he could be trouble. Yeah. Um, so Fisk gets wind of this, because they're, you know, Officer Not Frank Grillo is on the phone with, with Wesley and Fisk. Yeah. And Fisk decides, okay, you know what? And Fisk knows who Ben is. Yes. From the Union Allied article. Correct. And I'm sure he knew who Ben was before that, because we've established that Ben has done a lot of writing about organized crime in the city. Yep. 
So, like I said, Ben's reputation precedes him. So Fist decides, you know what? Call in all of our media. I want yeah. them to see what's about to Full happen. Full coverage. Full coverage. All right. So Matt now is trying to get this information out of Vladimir, who is now burned and, and you know, alive, but, but burned and cauterized. And he's spilling his guts a little bit. Yeah. Vladimir, at the same time, is also kind of calling Matt out on his philosophies. Yeah. that this, People like to do this to Matt. He's like, okay, so you would not kill me, but. Given the opportunity, you wouldn't save my life either if I didn't have something you wanted. Mm. And Matt's kind of taken aback by that. Matt kind of has to stop and think about that for a second. Right. And I think Matt, even though he has a strong philosophy of not killing, that philosophy has never really been called into question for like a specific situation like this. And we see that Matt kind of steps back and for just very briefly steps back for a moment and really starts to think about where he's willing to go and what he's ultimately willing to do on his mission. Right. And he also gets fooled here. Yeah. As as Vladimir is giving up information, um, he's doing a little fake death routine. And Matt gets closer because he's whispering, because he's fading the man's name. His name is... Bam! Headbutt! Yeah. And I he... feel like Matt should have saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah, Matt was a little eager to get what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. And then um, then uh, Vlad picks up a two-by-four and starts wailing on Matt. This is not how I die. Yay! Exactly. And then my note here is Matt and Vlad take the express to the basement. Yeah, they go through three floors, like literally floors, yeah. into the basement. Now, granted, going through three floors to the basement is probably preferable to going through no floors yeah. to the basement. yeah. But still probably going to hurt like a mother. Yes. Uh, Matt's going to feel that tomorrow for sure. And he blacks out. Yes. Now, when he does come to, he finds that Vlad is also still alive. My question, how? He was already at death's door. He fell through three floors. They, make him, they make him tough in Russia. He's resilient. My Lord. They, 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 they're tough. Yeah, they're tough. tough all right. Now, he hears, they're, they're, now they're trapped in, in a basement. And the cops yeah. now are are moving in. For real, they know where the, they know that they're in the building. The media is there. It's a whole circus. Matt and this guy are trapped in this basement. And if I've learned anything from Quentin Tarantino, you don't want to be trapped in a basement. No, bad things happen in basements. Bad things happen in basements. Um, I've got. But as Matt is, he he, he hears trains, so he knows that he's near a subway somehow. Or yeah. you know, New York, you're always near a subway. Yeah. But he can hear it, and he knows there's got to be some kind of access place nearby where he can get out of there and he finds the sewer grate in the basement but before that happens oh russian's heartbeat stops russian essentially dies oh yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah. i have a note here double axe handle cpr hey wrestling saves lives <laughs> matt just kind of pounds on his chest which i'm not sure if that actually works um, like I get CPR, but like the full-on reeling back, hitting him with a double axe handle. It worked in the abyss too. Yes, it did. In fact, Ed Harris slapped her in the face as well. Yes. Next time I'm with someone that's, that's dying, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I hope I'm not dying around you. Yeah, yeah you better hope so. Um, I also have another note here: is that uh, Matt's capacity for punishment mm-hmm. shows his will to overcome and carry on. Oh yeah. Because Matt does not, as we've mentioned before, Matt does not have a fancy healing factor or anything like no. that. No. Matt gets cut, he bleeds. Matt gets punched, he bruises. And we've seen him take a lot of punishment 
in this show up until this point. And he just keeps getting up. And I think that's that's a lot to speaks a lot to his will and his determination. Well, that's he has to have that. He doesn't have much else. That's true. Now, as he's uh, you know trying to find his way out of their predicament, the walkie-talkie that was Mister Officer, not Dolph Lundgren's, they have that. Who should call on that walkie-talkie but Wilson Fisk? Direct line to Matt. Yes. This is the first time they've spoken. It is. It's kind of a big moment, I would it's, say. Yeah, we're we're in episode six. These are very these, this of the show, and this is the first time the heroes met the villain. And in the context of, of Daredevil and Wilson Fisk, it's a it's a big moment. Yeah, these two characters their, are now going for the first time communicating in the show. Yeah, and it's got a lot of weight behind it. I think that Matt is caught off guard by Fisk. Yes. Um, not only just the fact that he's contacting him, but just like the volume of who he appears to be mm-hmm. as a character kind of catches Matt off guard. I think Matt probably thought he was a dumb criminal. And what yeah. he gets instead is obviously what we know how Wilson Fisk is. He's very thoughtful. He sees himself a hero. And he even tells Matt, We're, we want the same thing. Yeah. We want to save the city. But you're not willing to do what it takes to do it. And we see here like the da- the potential danger in ideology. Yes. Uh, you've got Fisk's ideology, which has kind of put Matt in the position that he's in. Mm-hmm. And you've got Matt's ideology, which in, in for the past couple minutes has been called into question. Yep. Like Matt's, I think that kind of is maybe kind of part of what staggers Matt in the initial contact with Fisk is that the the questioning of his ideology by Vlad, Matt's like really in a place where he's asking himself where he's willing to go with his mission. Right. But before he can have time to even think about that, Fisk offers him a deal and says, you know, kill Vlad for me and everything will go away. We'll call it even and, you know, yeah. we go our separate call ways. It a push. Right. Speaking of poker, see? There you go. Now, Matt refuses, of course. Of course. He's not going to kill him. He's a good guy. Yes. So he says, okay, well, then we're going to pin this whole bombing on you. Oh, and by the way, watch this. Yeah, and then we have a sniper up in the roof. Yep, which you know kind of is kind of a heavier scene considering what's happened in the country in the past couple months. I, you know, when I watched it initially, I didn't think that. Sure as hell thought it this time watching it. Yeah, well, because that stuff hadn't happened the last time you watched it. Yeah, but so the sniper is got, got his sniper takes out takes out the. But hang on, for, yeah. The, again, Fisk doesn't never does anything without purpose. Now this is my question. Then he had Yurik in his sights, and but. But he, because he knows if he kills Yurik, he gives legitimacy to Yurik's stories. So instead, he kills the cop. Kills the cop who gave up the His, the addresses, the locations. Gotcha. To Matt, uh-huh. and he knows that. So the I main see, I was purpose confused this, by that. I see. Okay. Yeah, yep. The main purpose of this is to eliminate that cop. Gotcha. See, did. I thought he was. He, I thought he was going for Ben and missed. Yeah. No. Um, and then he takes out two other cops yes. to frame Matt. Right. So now Matt is reeling because now Fisk is going to, the media is there. They're going to pin all this on the man in black. Yeah. And then you gotcha. see very quickly the media picks up that it's this guy in the mask that's doing the shooting. Right. You know, Fisk's manipulated media. Do we see a similarity to today's current media? Eh. Feeding us a culture of fear and 
you know, stories that might not be completely vetted and buttoned up, per se, before they go out on the air. If it bleeds, it leads, my friend. Uh, I know. Oh, I hear you. Uh, yeah, I like that he tells Matt on the uh, on their co- on the little conference call, uh, we won't speak again. Yeah. Oh. So now, yeah, you will. Now we come to the point in my notes where I mentioned earlier a note about this whole, like, Matt and Vladimir in this warehouse scene. Mm-hmm. Something I picked up on this situation that I'm very surprising... I'm very surprised that I never picked up on before. Very reminiscent of Batman Year One. Go on. When he is in the building and Commissioner Loeb calls in the SWAT team. Okay. He's yeah, kind of okay. trapped in the building. A little bit. And Batman Year One was written by... Frank Miller. Who has also written... Daredevil. I, um, can I? It just kind of it just kind of hit me like I'm like this is very reminiscent of that scene from Batman Year One. I've got a real power take I want to get into at some point. Remind me about Frank Miller and Daredevil and Batman at some point. Oh well, we're definitely gonna review some Miller's. Daredevil Not even review. Work. I have a, I have thoughts on the legacy of. Frank Miller and what it means to not 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 yeah, yeah. I put I put Frank Miller on my Daredevil Mount Rushmore and also my Batman Mount Rushmore. No, that's fair. I, I my thought is uh, the influence he's had on both characters, but how that influence, the volume of his work and how much influence it had. I have a whole question about that, but that's a, that's at a later at a later date. Yeah, we can we'll do it. We'll do an episode exploring Frank Miller. Okay. Yeah. Any of you out Don't there? Don't really forget, because it's, yeah. it's an interesting... When, when I lay it out for you, you might, you, you're going to go, hmm. At least I hope you do. Yeah. Any of you out there interested in getting into work one of the greatest comic book writers of all time? Um, well, until I did. I was about to say. <laughs> until he snapped. Read up until... Like 1991 or so. Yeah. Anything after 1991, just kind of... All right. So, Fisk now releases the video to the media of Matt beating up the cops. And then the SWAT team is moving into the building at the same time. Exactly. So because it's they all find kind of... the rookie, Sullivan, tied up. Uh-huh. And they, once again, brutality. The cop just calls in, Officer Sullivan is dead. And, the co- and he's like, what? He's like, wait, wait a tick. And then they, they kill him. They, they stab him in the throat. Yeah. And they, like, stab and twist. <sighs> and just make sure he is dead. Now, as the video is released, Karen tells Foggy... That's the guy who saved my life. Yeah. This is this is Bull. He wouldn't do that. Yeah, and then Karen goes out to look for Matt because they're concerned because Matt is, quote-unquote, blind. Right. And in the city being blown up left and right, they're concerned he might have gotten hurt and they haven't heard from him. Right. We have another quick glimpse of Karen kind of playing with Foggy's emotions a little bit. A little bit. And Foggy, like, kind of makes a desperation. Was it? Wasn't that bad for her first day, was it? Yeah. And Karen's like, I've I've had worse. And kind of the way she said it, she's like, I'm just like, there's a way you could have said that and not, you know. Maybe don't, like. Don't give the man the hope. Yeah. Maybe like, I don't think this was a date. Some, some, let him down easy. Yeah. But granted, he's hurt and he's in the hospital. She feels bad. Yeah. Eh, yeah, I know. She's yeah. playing both sides here. I don't, I, I could do without that, but. And I don't think she's doing it out of like malice. I'd hope not. I, I believe essentially Karen's a good person. I just think she's a little confused at this time. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not saying confused because she's a woman. Or no, 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 like no. That. I'm just you know. 
a lot of stuff going on in our life. Matt's right playing angles too. So yeah, you know, everyone yeah, yeah. here is you know the only good person here is Foggy for all we know. But I mean, honestly, he's he's yeah. And Miss Cardenas, she's good. Sure, she's a good egg. Now Vlad ends up helping Matt pull that grate yes. off, out of the floor. This is not how I die. This is Russian very thick. <laughs> so they're going to escape through the sewers. Apparently, right. I wonder if we're going to find the neutrals down there. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt and Ninja Turtles. Anyway. Just kind of run by the screen chasing some foot ninjas. Why not? Come on. <laughs> um, kind of, it reminds me, another quick rabbit trail, um, Tiny Toon Adventures. There okay. was a quick scene in an old episode of Tiny Toon Adventures where they go into a sewer for some reason, and then like four generic uh, Ninja Turtles... Go running by, like, doing karate stuff. And then, uh, I think it's, like, Buster Bunny or someone just turns the screen, breaks fourth wall, and goes, okay, how many kids saw that one coming? And a whole bunch of hands going up, going, me, 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 me. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun. Tiny, Tiny Toons is slightly, under, slightly underrated, I would Tiny Toons is severe quality. Yeah. So, they're escaping in the tunnels. Two cops at machine guns end up down there with them. Um, they're very bad shots. They can't hit Matt point blank. So Matt takes well, them both out. To be fair, it was they dark. They don't appear to be wearing night vision goggles. True. The Matt is dressed all in black. True. And he does the kicky flippy punchy stuff. Very true. Ninja like. Yeah, it's like he's some sort of ninja. In striking from the shadows. Yeah. Like some sort of bat. Or turtle. <laughs> or a turtle. As it were. Strike hard and fade away. <laughs> out to trace. Uh, ninja vanish. So, these cops are bad shots. Matt kicks their ass. Vlad ends up with one of the machine guns. He could easily take Matt out right yeah. here. He opts not to and says that he's going to stay. He's heard enough. He's like, you know what? I'm at the end of my line here. The person you're looking for is Leland Owsley. He gives up Owsley, the accountant, the, the one who runs man. it all, the money man. Yeah. But as he also does that, he um, once again tells Matt, you, you get into a cage with animals as soon as you put that mask on. There's no Mad mercy here. Don't stop fighting until one is dead. Correct. Like your whole little code thing here it's is not going to work. Not going to work very well. Yeah. It's almost like this is a theme for Matt, as we'll find out as the season goes on. Yes. That is episode six. Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt runs away, Matt and that's the end. Down the door and goes and uh, actually Vladimir, doesn't even run. He walks. He Vladimir, power walks away. Yeah. He's <laughs> tough man walking him, walking so tough. And Vladimir goes out in a blaze of glory. That's it. So yeah, episode six. Final thoughts on it? Pretty good. Yeah. Um, ideologically good. Not one yes. of the best episodes, but uh, again, a lot of... Um, a lot it of starts to dig deeper into characters that have been established. Like you said earlier, not so much character introduction anymore at this point. This is character development and deconstruction. Right. And now we get the Russians off the table now. Like that little subplot can yeah. get put, put away and we can open up some more doors. Yes. And I'm extremely excited for our next episode. What's the next episode, Carl? Stick. <laughs> and we get into yes. another episode without flashbacks. Another episode this time without a flashback, yeah. Next episode, pretty much all flashbacks. See, they were saving them. They were banking them up. Yeah, they're banking them up. All right. All righty, folks. That about does it here for another episode of Devil's Do. Thank you very much for joining us. If you would like to follow us at 
our social media outlets. You can do so on Twitter at Devils Do Pod. You can like our page on Facebook. Search uh, facebook.com slash Devils Do or just search the Devils Do. Or you can email us. As you've seen, we'd be happy to read your questions or comments on the air at uh, the Devils Do Pod at gmail.com. So, Drew, closing thoughts, anything? Uh, let me know how the stir fry goes, everybody. Yeah. If you do your stir fry, shoot us a shoot Any us tips a for me, man? Tell, let me know. I'll, I'll yeah. throw in. Go at it. All right. We will see you all next week. And until then, courts adjourned. Courts adjourned. See, I can play nice. Okay. Good. <laughs>